Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. For more than 150 years, the Fisk Jubilee Singers have been providing the world with a joyful noise. Known across the globe for excellence, they have moved audiences to spiritual bliss whenever and wherever they have sung. Arguably, no one in recent memory has had a bigger impact on the Fisk Jubilee Singers than Dr. Paul T. Kwame. During his 28-year tenure, the Fisk Jubilee Singers have received some of the highest awards in music, including an induction into the Gospel Hall of Fame. On September 10th, Dr. Kwame passed away at the age of 70. Today, we remember him and talk with some of the singers whose lives he touched. But first, it's time for Add Us. Each week, we take time to read the comments so you don't have to. Yes, I'm in, literally encouraging you to at us on Twitter at This Is Nashville and on Instagram at This Is Nashville underscore WPLN. Joining me now with a look back at the past week is our digital lead, Anna Gallegos Cannon. Hey, Anna. Hey, Khalil. It's always good to be in the studio with you. Always great to have you here. So, what have we been hearing from our listeners this week? Well, last Thursday, we had a great episode about the Kurdish community mm-hmm. and how Nashville became home to the largest Kurdish population in the U.S. So, after the show, our listener Miriam reached out on Instagram to ask how many Kurds live in the area. That's a good question. What's the number? So, according to numbers from the nonprofit Kurdish Project and the news site Kurdistan 24, Nashville's Kurdish population is estimated to be around mm, 15,000 to 18,000 people. Okay. That's a, that number is pretty large, but why don't we have better data? I know. There was literally just a census, so you would think that we would have way better numbers. Yes. But one reason could actually be the way the census collects data. So when you're filling out forms, there's actually no box for ethnic Kurds on on them in the way that there is for Hispanics. So most Kurds tend to identify themselves as white. That's interesting. Okay, well, the last data collection was 2020 in the census, as you said, which happens every 10 years. Who knows? Maybe the next census that will form will be improved. You know, possibly we can do a show about it. Ooh, this is Nashville, eight years old. I really like how that sounds. Oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. Okay, so another episode that stood out to our listeners was Monday, Monday's show about Warner Elementary, which we went from one of the lowest performing schools in the state to being a reward school, making it one of the top metro schools in just two years. It was the subject of WPLN's podcast, The Promise, a few years ago. And after Monday's show, we received several messages from listeners who were grateful that we did that follow-up on The Promise. And Principal Ricky Gibbs also received a shout-out from one of our listeners, too. Uh, Noel wrote to us on Twitter saying, quote, my son just started going to Warner. The surge in confidence I see has been amazing. It feels like a real community and you can feel that the teachers and admins really care. Dr. Gibbs and his team are incredible. That is awesome to hear. Now, speaking of hearing from listeners, which we encourage, we actually didn't hear much from our listeners ahead of Tuesday's Citizen Nashville episode on monkeypox, right? Yes. And, um, we here at This Is Nashville were actually very surprised. So listener questions are what helps shape our Citizen Nashville episodes. And we've received some great community input in the past, like for our episodes about sidewalk and mental health. Mm-hmm. But this time, 
we got zero bites. So after Tuesday's show, our producer, Rose Gilbert, reached out to one of our guests from the show. Um, it was Delray Zimmerman from Vanderbilt's Office of Diversity Affairs and LGBTQ Health. We were curious if people have been hesitant to come forward with questions about monkeypox because of the stigma surrounding it. And here's what he said. I haven't encountered that directly, no. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. I think that there was a dearth of information at the uh, beginning of this outbreak, and people were really scrambling to try to figure out what they needed to do to protect themselves and who was most at risk uh, and whatnot. So, you know, not getting that feedback, I'd like to think that perhaps Dr. Kelly and I, you know, and, and our uh, other community participants did did a decent job. Think that that the community is is still looking for information largely. So, I think our guests did an awesome job. Mm-hmm. But Delray also mentioned that you know. People in general just might be burned out when it comes to medical information. You know, I think that people are fatigued uh, from COVID and having to absorb all kinds of information regarding COVID. This coming on the heels of that just feels like more doom and gloom. You know, COVID fatigue is a very, very real thing. Mm -hmm. And we're all feeling it. But it's important to be informed so we can protect ourselves and our loved ones. Thanks to our digital lead, Anna Gallegos-Cannon, for this roundup. Anna, we'll see you soon. I'll see you back in the control room, Khalil, and our listeners know where to find me online. Don't forget to add us on Twitter and Instagram, and let's keep the comments coming. Also, fill out our community survey and let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org. It's super easy and quick, and it helps us produce shows with your needs and interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll remember the late Dr. Paul T. Kwame and his influence as the musical director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. Are you a former student of Dr. Kwame? Do you have a story to share? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kelowna, and this is Nashville. Some people may not want to talk about the Negro spiritual. Some people may want to shy away from that form of music. But I see these songs as purely American music.
That voice you heard is the unmistakable Dr. Paul T. Kwame, music director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers, who passed away last weekend on September 10th. Today, we want to remember him and honor his legacy by inviting a few of the singers he has trained and mentored over the years. I'd like to introduce my first guests. Jada Spite and Kendall Speaks are currently students at Fisk University and members of the Fisk Jubilee Singers, Jada and Kendall. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you very much for being here with us today in these very somber times, and I am deeply sorry for your loss. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jada, what have these past few days been like for you? Oh, goodness. Um, these past few days have been loaded with um, just a roller coaster of emotion for me. Um, not only am I dealing with the loss, the tremendous loss of Dr. Paul Kwame, um, but I also lost my grandfather um, on August 26th. And so I was actually in the airport um, when I learned of the loss of Dr. Kwame. And, you know, just to know that such a giant um, in the, the Nashville community, in the Fisk University community and um you know, as as he was small in stature, but his spirit was just so large. And so dealing with that has been really challenging. Um, mm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm very happy that you were able to be here with us today. Thank you so much. Kendall, how have you been? Um, all I can say is, is that I've been moving forward um, as much as I can. Um, I don't think I've had the time to truly process what I've been feeling. Um, uh, I just find myself a lot of the times just reminiscing moments that I've had with Dr. Kwame uh, and thinking about the lessons he's taught me and how he would want me to move forward. Mm. And, yeah, i just kind of been distracting myself with work and, you know, keeping up the, I guess, um... I don't know, the spirit that he's instilled into me. Now, Jade, I understand when you first auditioned to be a part of the ensemble, you didn't make it. Yes. But you had the opportunity to work closely with Dr. Kwame, right? Yes, yes. So um, when I initially auditioned, um, I was a freshman. And typically, if you know anything about the Fish Jubilee Singers or the audition process, it is extremely... Um, how do I say, uh, strenuous, I guess. Um, and it's very difficult to enter the group your first year. Um, but although I did not make it into the group as an official singer, I got the opportunity to kind of absorb and learn the way that the group worked from the other singers. And um, with that, I got the opportunity to work really closely with Dr. Kwame and just... Um, you know, asking him, hey, Dr. Kwame, is there anything I can do? You know, is there anything that you need? Um, just kind of serving as, I guess, kind of a student helper, um, because I noticed that Dr. Kwame was just 
almost everything to everyone. Um, and so I noticed that that gap, like sometimes when you can be everything to everyone, you kind of you need a little help. And so um, I remember vividly just going to him like, Dr. Kwame, is there anything I can do? And he's like, uh, yes, actually, uh, I need help with these T-shirts. And so I, I sat in his office and um, I just kind of helped sort through T-shirts. But we would do that sort of thing. Um, what was it like getting to know him? Dr. Kwame was a man of faith. Like, Dr. Kwame's faith is just, I can't even begin to articulate how passionate he was about the Lord. I mean, it was so infectious. Like, I I can recall moments where, you know, I would talk to him very vividly about things that I was, you know, experiencing in my life. And and, and there were times where I would feel discouraged. And I, I would just... um you know, ask him to pray. He he was a prayer warrior. He was a man of faith. And so just being able to be in his presence, you could feel comfort. You can feel the spirit of God. He, he had such a gift of discernment. Like he knew what you needed when you needed and he knew how to, how to give it to you. So it was really a privilege to be in his presence and to have him as a mentor, getting to know him. I mean, it was, I, I really miss him. <laughs> Kendall, what was he like as a teacher? Oh, one of the best teachers you can ask for. He was patient. He was insightful. He always knew the right thing to say and how what was the best solution to a problem. Um, even I remember I took his piano class when I was a, my first year as a singer. And I think that was the best moment for me to bond with him. Tell me um, about that. Because Dr. Kwame, if it's not about the Jubilee Singers, it's about the piano and composition. He adores the piano. He knows everything about it, or he knew everything about it. Um, and he knew all of the all of the techniques. You could just explain something you heard. And he could, you know, play it back for you like it was nothing. And learning the piano and, and getting a taste of that passion with him was one of the best experiences I've had at Fisk and even in my life because it took my understanding of an instrument to a whole new level. Um, one thing he, one of the main lessons he taught me was to know your music like the back of your hand so you can truly express it. Mm. And when when he meant expressing, like when we come together to practice, it's not about, you know, learning the notes. It's not about learning the rhythms. It's about learning how to express it in the in, in the way that he his vision is or the way your vision is. Mm -hmm. um, even in the piano, he'd always be a stickler. He's stickler to me about it because oftentimes um, I'd practice quick. So a lot of times I'd learn the music, but then I'd just play it very quickly. Um, or I'd press too hard on keys, and he'd always be like, no, no, you're not going to bring that to this class. Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to start over. You're going to take your time. You're going to follow the tempo, and you're going to play the dynamics that is shown on the paper. It feels like he had this standard of excellence. Yes. That he took it upon himself to help nurture that standard with all of his students Absolutely. forged in the fires of love. 
-hmm. would you say? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, Kendall, did you ever get a chance to see the other side of Dr. Kwame? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was a blessing. That was a blessing. I had been, uh, one of our alum, he told us, Andrew Davis, he told us, uh, a lot of us were a little bit intimidated when we first came in. And he was like, Dr. Kwame, he's not intimidating. He's just, he's just quiet. You just gotta, you gotta get to know him. And uh, there was this one moment where I felt a transition in our relationship where it was the final for my piano class. And I had been practicing that song for three weeks. And I played it and I thought I mastered it. I thought I played it perfectly. Uh, and at the end, he paused and I look back at him because that's the first thing I do every time I play the piano. Hmm. I look back at Dr. Kwame and he's always like, you know, like hmm. contem a contemplating look, right? Okay. And he paused for a second and he said, that was not the song I, I taught you. What song was that? Mm -hmm. And I froze. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my final that I just completely blundered. And uh, and I and then he told he told me to figure out what was wrong and I couldn't figure it out, and he was like, "You played it an octave higher, everything mm -hmm. was perfect, but you played it an octave higher." And right after he said that, he said, "I'm not gonna let you take it again." <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed, and we uh, I think that was the first time that Dr. Kwame truly joked with me, and you know, truly let me see another side of him and. Yeah, I, I just always remember that. That was a very heartwarming moment. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour about the legacy of the late Dr. Paul T. Kwame, the longtime music director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers, who passed away this weekend. Now, Jada, I understand that you and a group of others got to sing for Dr. Kwame near the end of his life. This might be difficult for you, but you know, can you tell me what that experience was like for you? Um, yes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, we did. We, um, we had the pleasure of singing for Dr. Kwame, um, near the end. And, um, I just remember, you know, Dr. Kwame always reminded us to walk in love and he would always talk about what, it, what he would expect from us when he was no longer um, here. And I remember him just always reminding us to trust in God and encourage each other and to find strength in each other and in in, in pushing that we were family. And so in that moment, um, we actually sang the blessing, uh, which was a song that he loved for us to sing um, whenever we would we would travel and um, someone would be a blessing to us. He would always then return that favor with having us sing that song. And um, it was it was a very special moment, a moment just filled with love. Um, and also it was it was very challenging um, to see our, as I said, like our giant um, kind of, you know, in in a very tough situation. Um, and we, we had never, you know, seen him that way. And so, um, it was, it was one of the most difficult things to do, but it warmed our hearts to know that we were able to, uh, to sing to him and, and to do what he taught us to do. And also in that moment to encourage, you know, his family, um, you know, through the gift of, of songs. What's your most favorite memory with Dr. Kwame? Oh gosh. 
Um, that's a different, difficult one because I have so many. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Kwame was hilarious. <laughs> he, had, he has such a dry sense of humor, but if you knew him, you knew he was so funny. Um, but if I had to pick, I was actually a piano student of his as well. And, um, I remember I was going through a very difficult time my sophomore year of school. Um, I came to Fisk when I was 17, and my parents had just gotten divorced. And um, just dealing with that and and trying to adjust to coming all the way from Buffalo, New York, to Nashville, Tennessee, um, was a, a very difficult transition. And I actually ended up in a mental health facility. Um, and... Um, during that time, like Dr. Kwame was extremely supportive of me when I came back. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember um, during that time, I was actually also in his piano class. And I told him very transparently about um, I had never taken piano before. And so just walking in 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 the practice room was really overwhelming for me. And I would, I would get bad anxiety. And um, he just assured me like, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, I just, just keep trying and I'm here to support you. And I will never forget. He bought me a piano keyboard to have in my room that I still have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I would be able to practice in a more, a more, um, comfortable space. And so just, that's only one of the many things, many moments that I, I've shared with Dr. Kwame, but that just speaks to how huge his heart was and how, how much he loved his students you know if if you were his student you were his family you know he he adopted me as a spiritual daughter and so um I still have that piano and I I still love that um but yeah yeah, that was definitely one of uh Mm -hmm. one of my favorite memories of he and I Kendall I got about a minute and a half left Mm -hmm. this man who was so generous so full of wisdom and love what's the most important lesson he taught you The most important lesson he taught me was to not allow what goes on outside to affect your work. Um, I remember we were in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, we didn't have the best transportation situation. Um, But he never spoke about that. He just continued, you know, getting us ready, getting us prepared. And we all we were all in like joyous moods. We were all happy, giggling, telling jokes, and uh, we performed a really good performance. It was it was probably one of uh, my favorite performances as a Jubilee singer because it was just full of energy and love. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after we came back that Dr. Kwame had expressed his uh, disappointment in the transportation situation. But then he then. Uh, went on to say that by keeping it to himself and allowing us to thrive, he allowed the work to be done. Okay. And that's all that mattered. To him. Okay. Okay. That is Kendall Speaks, joined by Jada Spite, current Fisk Jubilee singers. I want to thank you both for being here today and sharing these wonderful, precious memories about Dr. Kwame. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. This hour, we're remembering Dr. Paul T. Kwame, the longtime music director for the Fisk Jubilee Singers who passed away last weekend. Before we go to break, let's listen to Wade in the Water from the Grammy award-winning album, Celebrating Fisk. Wade in the water. 
Continue honoring the late Dr. Paul T. Kwame with a few former Fisk Jubilee singers. Send us your memories of Dr. Kwame by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. And this is Nashville. In 1952, Dr. Paul T. Kwame was born in Ghana to a musical family. As a boy, his father would take him to performances where he heard Negro spirituals for the first time. It was an experience that moved him. And decades later, he would say he could still see the room where the choir performed. Later, Dr. Kwame attended Fisk University to study music education. And that's where a friend encouraged him to audition for the Fisk Jubilee Singers. He was accepted, and that would change the trajectory of his life and that of the Fisk Jubilee Singers as well. In 1994, Kwame became the music director, and under his leadership, the Fisk Jubilee Singers would win a Grammy Award, a Dove Award, the National Medal of Arts, and be inducted into the Grammy and Gospel Hall of Fame. My next guests know all about these accolades, but as former Fisk Jubilee singers, they also know that they scratched the surface of the kind of person Dr. Kwame was. Dr. Preston Wilson is Assistant Professor of Music Education at Ryder University in New Jersey, and Dr. Marco Patton is Assistant Professor of Music Business at Belmont University. Marco, Dr. Wilson, welcome to This Is Nashville. Thanks so much for being here, and I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Dr. Wilson, tell me about the first time you met Dr. Kwame. What was your impression of him? The first time I met Dr. Kwame, I was mortified. Hmm. Uh, he was this short man with a thick Ghanaian accent. He did not smile, um, and he was in the music building, and I knew I wanted to be a Jubilee singer, so you know I just was trying to be really nice, and he could care less about my niceties. Uh, <laughs> I was mortified of this man. Um, and to be completely honest, a, a part of that still uh, is there today. When I would see him uh, recently, it was mortified. It was the first thing that came to my mind. So you're 18 years old and in such a serious, talented company and this presence of this very serious man. What did you learn from that experience meeting Dr. Kwame for the first time? to know your music. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I came from Durham, North Carolina and I was in, I was at an art school. And so, um, 
you know, it, I came from this art school to Fisk University, and to be completely, I'm a, to be completely honest, I was a, a a little fish in a big pond, but I was a big fish in a little pond in North Carolina, and so. Mm. Being around all these amazingly talented people, you know, I got humbled real quick. Um, and I remember, you know, auditioning and not knowing if I had made the singers or not because his expression was blank the entire time that I was, you know, auditioning. Uh, it, it, he would furrow his brow if you were flat or sharp or something like that. And I, learned to always know your music, regardless of what the person in front of you is looking like. If you know your music, you have nothing to worry about. And that is something that I have carried with me um, as a performer, as a teacher, and now as a person who is teaching teachers. Mm -hmm. Now, Marco, I, I saw you chuckle a little bit when Dr. Wilson talked about how serious Dr. Kwame was. Did that impression change over time? You know, uh, I have to share the same sentiments. For me personally, I can't say the, that it changed. I mean, every time that I would be in his presence, I'm like, okay, let me just check. And you always check the face because everything is written all over his face. Okay. <laughs> you know, you can totally tell um, just kind of, if, like you said, if, if, if the, the presentation of the notes weren't right or, or even just... You know, you, you, you're mentioning something and it's not making sense or whatever the case might be. It's going to show. And he's a man of few words, but a man of a of, of very clear uh, expression. And so um, that didn't necessarily change over time, I don't think. Um, I did say that it felt like when I first got in the group, and, and I can share the same um sort of similar story with uh, Jada and that I didn't make the group my first year either. Mm -hmm. And so having that experience, of course, off the bat, I'm like, yeah, Dr. Kwame, ooh. Mortified is the perfect word. Um, but after a while, you began to see just the spirit rise up in him that was so nurturing. Um, I never really quite tested the waters too much. Okay. Uh, but I absolutely knew that he came with, well, you know, with a lot of balance. And I think the more that you got to know him and the more that he could see confidence in the group that was becoming that particular group at the time, then he didn't have to say much. Talk to me a little bit more about that spirit. Oh, wow. Um, and I can even echo sort of like what Kendall mentioned about just, you know, rehearsal and practice is not learning the notes at all. It's not even so much um, seeing how we sound, you know, that's, you know, that's the, the mastering of it, you know, perfect the sound of it. But really it's about ensuring that we know the spirit behind these stories that we're singing about, um, that we have a history about the spirit you know, behind that and understanding that. And so sometimes Dr. Kwame would bust out, you know, in devotion or just in prayer or talking to us about, you know, just the spirit of God and, and you could tell. And it was something affirmative because in the room, everybody could feel it. So, and so, so these are very, very moving moments that in essence, you're saying shape the rest of your life, right? absolutely shaped the rest of my life, spiritually, professionally. I mean, you had to know your notes. That was the beginning. Know your music. That's the precursor. And then the other part about that is discover how you show up in this music, knowing that you're just a small fraction mm. of, this, of, of this expression. Mm. Now, Dr. Wilson, what do people who haven't spent a lot of time around Dr. Kwame, what did they not understand about him? People didn't understand... Um, They didn't understand how humble he was. Like he was incredibly talented. The people that he knew, the accomplishments that he had achieved, a lot of people were unaware 
of all the things that he had done and like and who he was even on some of our jubilee trips um i would i would always watch the way that he would interact with people and you know how people would uh treat him um a certain way or treat him differently than others um and he still would remain very quiet um but people really never knew how humble he was and how much he had accomplished in his life. What did you learn from that? Watching this man who has great accomplishments yet remained resolute and, and humble as he moved forward in life. Um, honestly, to, to do the same, to, uh, to remain yourself, remain authentic and not to change or waver in various situations. Um, be it, you know, professionally or otherwise, you know, to remain who you are, but also remember, you know, who you are and what you've done. If you have achieved something or accomplished something, no one can take that away from you. So there's no need for you to waver at all. You know, even if someone does uh, treat me a certain way, I don't necessarily have to respond in the same way because I know who I am. I know whose I am. Um, and I can walk boldly into any room that I enter, any space that I occupy, I can walk boldly and be who I am. Um, and I was able to learn that from Dr. Kwame. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville and I'm your host, Khalile Kalona. We're talking this hour about the legacy of Dr. Paul T. Kwame with a few of his former students, Dr. Preston Wilson and Dr. Marco Patton. Now, Marco, I understand you were with the singers when the group received the National Medal of Arts in 2008. What was that trip like? And and also tell me, how did Dr. Kwame approach that situation? Uh, that trip was a trip. In fact, we mm. were preparing for it um, weeks, feels like, in advance. And I think uh, Preston was with us, too. But for me, it was particularly special because this was my first time coming into the group. So mm. you get, I mean, at least a two and a half inch thick book full of just sacred songs. And it's like, yeah, we're going to eat <laughs> from that book. Mm -hmm. And you have to know the music. But then it's just like, wow, before you know it, we're getting ready to prepare to go to the White House. Mm -hmm. What is this? And having come into the group, you know, not having made it my freshman year, that was just a little, a little too much. I was like, oh, my gosh. And again, just to see what Preston, you know, how he just very very well captured, you know, Dr. Kwame's, you know, composure when it comes to that is just this notion of, no, very confident, but it's this cool confidence. So it's like, we're going to prepare you. It is what it is. Very early on, I learned how to get comfortable with business, with music business and with industry work mm -hmm. because of just seeing him. And it was, it was this dual kind of moment of, you know, that you show up because you've prepared, you know, that you stand on giants the shoulders of these giants, but also you're here to show up and you're here to minister. People need that expression from you. And so having to be in that experience, even being at the White House was, I mean, just mind blowing to me because I really began to see just how small I was, but how big this work was that I was ready to get into and committed to. Did you stay in touch after you graduated? Yes, absolutely stayed in touch. What was that? What did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot to me and in, in, in weird ways, because even as I began to graduate to kind of figure things out, um, and, and consequently I became a teacher, did teach for America and those kinds of things. Dr. Kwame and I would have conversations and they were always just kind of random conversations. I always, you know, sort of respected a little bit of distance, you know, between us just because of my own trepidation. Mm -hmm. But 
as I began to grow in deeper relationship with him, he would just see me doing more work. And he, you know, I would talk about what I was doing in music business. He was like, ah, my boy, mm-hmm. I see it. And I'm like, what, what is this that you see? You know, and we would just have those types of conversations. And, and, and then one thing would lead to another. There would be some projects that we would engage that he would call me to be a part of. I would consider those special projects where some alumni singers were, would engage them. I would say industry working singers, mm-hmm. as well as some um, current singers who were available, you know, during off season times for the Jubilee Singers. And, and those moments were just special, too, because you got to see a different side of Dr. Kwame. And even in my work professionally um, as assistant professor and the work that we've done together, just to be able to see not, you know, Dr. Kwame, not just as dad or not just as director, but his colleague was just incredibly humbling mm-hmm. uh, and incredibly rewarding mm-hmm. to be able to experience that for the time that we had. Dr. Wilson, what did it mean that he kept in touch with his former students? Um, it, 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 it speaks to who he was. If you were a former Jubilee singer, you were one of his children and he stood by that. Um, and you know, being, once I started my, my doctoral program, um, he was always ready to listen to me vent and, uh, kick and scream. Um, but, uh, was always uh, available to, you know, uh, for listening to ideas that I might have had and um, allowed me to present to his students. Um, and knowing that I had this, you know, because Fisk in and of itself is a special place, but being at Fisk as a Jubilee singer is another level of, of uniqueness that many people uh, will never get to experience. You know, mm-hmm. When I would go uh, travel to Nashville, you know, Dr. Kwame and the Jubilee Singers would be one of the first stops. I wouldn't do anything else in Nashville, mm. you know, until I see him or got to, you know, sing, the, uh, go to a rehearsal. And even, you know, when I would go and visit, um, I would just come to rehearsal. I would tell him I was coming and, you know, he'd set a chair down and then they'd sing and he'd ask me a question. What was wrong with that measure or mm. teach this? you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, always keeping me on my toes, you know, but knowing that he trusted me enough to have the skill and the, the wherewithal to be successful is something that I will cherish for the rest of my life. I want to ask you about this one specific trip. In 2007, the Fisk Jubilee Singers performed in Ghana, Dr. Kwame's birthplace. Now, that was a special moment for you and the other singers, because during that trip, You performed at the Elmina Castle, which was used as a depot during the transatlantic slave trade. Can you really briefly tell me what that moment and its significance, what that meant to you? Um, That that trip uh, is the core memory that, um, you know, the highs and lows of that trip, you know, and the the group that went to Ghana, we have a very special connection. Um, Being able to go to a place that its purpose, its reason for being constructed was for the degradation of life. Um, And not only just the degradation of life, but the degradation of uh, lives of people that looked like me. And, you know, so my ancestors likely came through that uh, castle and you could see some of the claw marks on the walls um, and nothing about that place was good it's you could still smell the death on the walls and walking through the dungeons and things like that and so going into a place like that and then singing the negro spiritual 
in particular, songs about hope, songs about freedom, songs about a better life, songs about love, songs about faith in God. And being able to sing those songs in that place, I don't even think I could put into words what that meant for me um, as a person who is a Christian. Um, and I think that many of um, the singers that went on that trip would have the same sentiment that we cannot articulate what it was like to know the story of Elmina Castle and to see the point of no return and to return there and sing the songs of our ancestors. It's, we can't articulate that. Mm -hmm. That is Dr. Preston Wilson and Dr. Marco Patton, both former Fisk Jubilee singers. I want to thank you both for taking time today and sharing your memories of your former music director, Dr. Paul T. Kwame. It's such an honor to be here and, and to do this for him. Thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate having you here. We're going to go out today on a song from that album, Sacred Journey, that was recorded in Ghana. Here are the Fisk Jubilee singers with We Shall Walk Through the Valley in Peace. That is, We Shall Walk Through the Valley in Peace, performed by the Fisk Jubilee Singers. Thank you for joining us this hour to remember their longtime music director, Dr. Paul T. Kwame. Rest in peace. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org. Our producers are Steve Harouche and Rose Gilbert. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Delisa Minor-Harris, Erica Dartis-Ellis, Chris Allen, Marie Suing, Colleen Phelps, and Angel Adams. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And to be good to each other. <laughs>